Okay, so last week we wasted our time talking about Destiny when the new consoles were dropping. As we do. And uh, priorities. We're now about a week after the console's dropping, and I'd say, you know, probably 5% of the people that want a console actually have one. <laughs> so in order to hold you over until you're able to give your hard-earned $400 to the tech giants of the gaming world... Or 500 We're gonna... Or 500 you know, depending on what model you want, because you want to go big, you want to get the good stuff, you're ready for Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk comes out in, like, three weeks. Maybe. Gotta, gotta, it might. Gotta have the high-def Keanu. We don't know. So, <laughs> so until then, we are recapping seven years of gaming and talking about the best games of the last gen. So if you're one of those insane fools who wait until the next gen to buy the last gen, here's your must-have games for the last seven years to start picking clean before you can move on to the treasure trove that will hopefully be Cyberpunk. And and let us just say, also, um, this one might be long as hell because we were, t- we were looking at the games to pick from and we're going to kind of just do our top five and then just talk about some other ones, but... um. Yeah, kind of. It's a, it's a loose top five. I don't think I even have mine ordered in any way. There were a lot, I mean a lot, of really good games that came out last console generation. So, yeah. I mean, what a and time I think to be a you gamer. Could look at, you could look at any generation and pick out a lot of really, really good games. Because generations typically, like I think I think seven years is probably pretty typical for the length of a whole I generation. I think it was a little you know, bit five... longer. I mean, they're getting longer. Because like, the 360 yeah, yeah, yeah. was like... Well, it was like six years. The 360 PS3 was about six, so this one was a little longer, technically. Six or seven. It's yeah. about the same, actually. But compared to way before, like, the Xbox and PlayStation 2 run was technically pretty short, comparatively, I think. Unless I have the <laughs> dates completely fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell, because given that we are, like, 25 and 26 years old, uh, this generation and the 360 generation are very much like kind of the formative years of video games for us, as well as, you know, eras of media consumption that we grew up and grew into. So I, I feel like at least for me, this generation was especially impactful because it was a time and place where I started getting into like analyzing video games and really caring about it as a genre to be analyzed instead of just an entertainment genre. And that's not to say I didn't think about games in the 360 era that way, but this generation consistently, I was like, damn, that was a story worth experiencing and I need to tell other people about that. So you would... You, easy, an easier way of saying it, you, uh, your taste just has matured, and you now appreciate the finer details of the medium. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. That might imply that I enjoy more complicated storytelling, and I don't. <laughs> uh, see, I can, I can say that because like, I can just fool you. That is that is one of the reasons why one of the games on my top five is because of the complex and just really damn good storytelling. I mean, hey, reason's a reason. Yeah. I, I got I got some simple games on here. I got some indie games on here. I got some big budget games on here. We like all kinds. Yeah. I don't have Pokemon on mine for reasons, Damn. but oh, okay, like what would I, I I could just say Pokemon, <laughs> it would be my number one always. But <laughs> I'd like to pick a game, even though for one of them it's technically two. But uh I mean let's are we just jumping into this? Do you want to start off? Or you want me to go first with our I guess number 5 or one of our 5? 
Uh, yeah, I can start. And I think up at the top, you know, mentioning Pokemon, I, I, I should say that, like, you know, generation-wise, because of the way the console generations kind of work now and the question of how they might work in the future, Nintendo is in kind of a, a gray area with how we discuss their generation because the Switch is far from over. They're not going to announce a new console for that anytime soon. Nintendo kind of exists outside the generation spectrum. So we're going to mention some Nintendo games, but it's kind of games that came out in the same time span which means could be a game that was on the wii u could be a game that was in the first half of the nintendo switch you, you um, got a wii u game on your list i do not <laughs> okay i was gonna I say figured, oh i figured maybe they, they would be fair game if you wanted to mention wind waker hd oh, i wouldn't yeah. stop you okay i was gonna say i don't even know what else? Because you can't say the Mario Party that came out on that because that sucked. <laughs> I bought it and it was awful. At this point, anything that was worth playing on the Wii U has been ported to the Switch, with the exception of Wind Waker HD, because it was like Smash was and the new Mario Kart. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So so yeah. It, Nintendo's going to keep going. Hopefully, uh, if we're still doing this podcast in another 10 years, then I'll have Pokemon Snap 2 and Breath of the Wild 2 on my list, and it'll still be on the Switch. <laughs> I I I like that you're confident that we'll be doing this for 10 years. I like it. <laughs> Look, if I can have a way to keep talking about the things I like to nobody that's listening, but I can pretend they are, I'll keep doing Hell it. Hell yeah, dude. I'm about it. Because if there's anything, it's this episode of the podcast is going to be, it's uh, me talking passionately about things that I have to pretend other people give a shit about. And that's why we created the podcast. So to that end, uh, to start things off, uh, I want to talk about, this is probably the oldest game on my list. Um, And uh, so it, it came out pretty early in the console cycle. Uh, I couldn't give you an exact date, but it was Metal Gear Solid 5. Okay. Metal Gear Solid 5 being uh, probably the single best third-person stealth shooter I have ever played. And in its own way, my introduction to the Metal Gear franchise, which uh, is pretty rough. <laughs> given that it's the, the last Metal Gear game that will likely ever come out. I guess I, I shouldn't say that because Konami's going to milk it for all they can. They already put out Metal Gear Survive. But the, the last game that would be made by Kojima and therefore the last game that I will ever deign the respect of the Metal Gear franchise uh, would be a 10 out of 10 game if not for the fact that the game was 33% finished mm. as far as what it should have been. I know you've told me about that. And and yet somehow still turned out to be one of the greatest video game stories I have ever had the pleasure of experiencing, as well as being one of the most solid shooters possible. Like, even outside of the third-person stealth genre, it's just a fantastic shooter. Uh, something I like to say when it comes to Metal Gear 5 is, like, you look at games like uh, Dishonored or uh, Splinter Cell, and it's like, when they're when they're trying to market it, when they're talking about the game, they're telling you, Look, this is a stealth game, but if you want to be loud and if you want to kill everyone, you can. But I'm playing through Dishonored and I fuck up the stealth and it's like, okay, well, I want to play the game right. So I'm going to restart the mission and do the stealth. It doesn't feel good. Uh, But Metal Gear 5, just like the execution of the game and the tools the game gives you, it's the only time I ever really felt that when they told me I could go loud if I wanted to, they meant it. 
and it never feel it never felt like the gameplay was diminished because I chose not to go the stealth route. And that was that was really cool because, you know, when I would inevitably mess up stealth in an enemy base, it was like, okay, I'll pull out my grenade launcher and I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> Combined with the occasional uh, trademark Metal Gear ridiculousness of being able to put a man to sleep and then strapping a balloon on him to abduct him to your mother base. Wait, you can so do that? that? Can... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you can abduct enemy soldiers as well as enemy vehicles and ordnance on a balloon and it will just take it back to your base of operations. That's insane. So you can... You could send out these people on missions, or you can call in vehicles to the open world. It's <laughs> it's a weird fucking game. I know. I know you've told me a lot about it, and I and I really want to play it because I have it on Steam. But isn't it long as hell? It's like one any of those. It's just a long open world game. Uh, it's kind of what you make of it as far as length goes. Oh, okay. Uh, because in a way, like I said, it's it's only a third of what it should have been, oh, and I mean Jesus. that in the story aspect. Oh, okay. Like, I if I'm remembering right, there were supposed to be three major arcs in the game story wise, and the game only has one of those arcs actually complete as far as cutscenes and missions that add to the gameplay to actually build the story. Once you finish that first third, the rest of the game is unfortunately redoing missions you've already done with added objectives, and the game occasionally throws an out-of-context cutscene at you to fill in the rest of the story. Oh, okay. So, in that sense, it's an open-world game. There are side quests you can do, there are side objectives you can do, but you can also kind of blast through the story. So I can't say how long the game is, but I would not say the story mode itself is incredibly long. You're not looking at an RPG's length of story. Okay. Okay. But probably longer than your average shooter. Gotcha. Because also, it's a Metal Gear game, and uh, while Metal Gear 5 does not have the same weight of Metal Gear 4's hour and a half long cutscene to end its game <laughs> it's still very story dense got it so i think that's all i gotta say on metal gear 5 okay uh, also much like assassin's creed 2 fantastic multiplayer mode that did not get its due i didn't even know it had a multiplayer mode right how would you but it was so good it was huh. so good interesting all right so my I'll, I'll go with my first one mine are kind of in like a five to one Five, four, three, two, one more thing. So I'll start with five and work my way to one. My fifth favorite game of favorite slash also really good game of last gen is the Ori series. So Ori in the Blind Forest and Ori in the Will of the Wisps, which is um, odd for me because those types of games I'm not usually a very big fan of, mostly because I'm awful at them. But there's just some sort of charm with just one, how beautiful that game is. It's one of the most beautiful looking games that I've played. And then the music to go along with it is just, it's amazing. I, I, I It's the only thing that actually kept me wanting to come back and finishing at least the first one. Because the first one was, oh my god, the, the final like jumping thing it oh god, it took me forever. <laughs> I was so bad. I was getting so mad. I, it's <laughs> I'm just so bad at them, but it's still really rewarding when you get it done. And then with Will of the Wisps that came out last year, I think uh, it was a great, just a great sequel to it. Uh, it had its own story that 
makes you feel way for there not being any dialogue and like it's all text to read uh it's also one of the few games i've played where it's a sequel technically but you could make the argument that both the games tell one long story like the first one introduces you to the world and then the second one sets up how the world continues which is the the thing they reveal at the end of the second one i i got chills i kind of get chills thinking about it because i go oh yeah i forgot that that's what they did with that that's kind of cool um but yeah that's i don't have any super in-depth stuff on that one it's just one of the most beautiful games visually and auditorily i think (laughs) orally 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 that's okay a u r oh see i'm learning things oral meaning ears uh when you when you told me that you were playing ori and that you're really enjoying it i was kind of surprised because i never thought that those kinds of games would be something that would really resonate with you you never seemed like the the hardcore platformer kind of guy yeah i think the thing that drew me in is that yeah there was a lot of platformer aspects but there was also a lot of killing shit like you're using abilities and jumping around, shooting stuff, whacking stuff. So it's not pure platformery things. But then again, I don't play enough platformers to know if that's normal. <laughs> did you ever start Hollow Knight? Yes, I did. And I stopped kind of because I was like, this is this is Ori, but kind of on steroids from the unforgiving aspect <laughs> of it. Like Ori's very forgiving. It's like if you die, you just go back to the... You just go back to checkpoint and just keep going. And the other ones, I feel like you just get punished a lot more when you die. That's why I'm not crazy into the, the Souls games because I'm I have the mental capacity where when I die in a game and I keep dying, I just get mad at myself for being bad, and that's just why I don't play them that much. I I, I I've yeah. tried to work on it, and playing games like Ori helps so that I can because <laughs> like I feel like if I could not be a little bitch i would love the souls games or bloodborne but i'm just so bad at those patient games where you have to figure out the little thing the little mechanic and then how to exploit that i i'm just i'm really bad at that <laughs> yeah that that's totally fair it's it's not uh, a, a style of gameplay that's for everybody yeah um which somehow i had forgotten uh so Bloodborne was kind of a launch title for the PS4, and that was from the FromSoft guys. Uh, and in focusing on Bloodborne and Sekiro as PS4 titles, I had forgotten that Dark Souls 3 came out this gen. Yeah. So I had to make a quick change on my <laughs> list. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I, I'm so fucking mad at myself that I forgot Dark Souls 3 came out this gen. I mean, there's just that many uh, good games, man. Yeah, I know. Like, like I forgot it came out, but it was good enough that it's immediately in my top five. Oh, now? Okay. Fair? So, I'm going to go and talk about that now. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, because, uh, boy, I've been on a journey with the Dark Souls series. Uh, and, and and Dark Souls kind of really gets to the point I was making earlier about this generation of gaming being really formative, at least for myself. 
the I, I'm never going to forget the PS4, Xbox One generation of gaming for me because of all the amazing titles that came out and how they changed and affected me and how I imprint my own change upon them. So so with the Souls, the Souls series is a bit of a story because I, I had two friends that tried really hard to get me into Dark Souls 1 back on the 360, back in high school. Or they might have been middle school. Shit, I don't even know. Years, right? <laughs> uh, they they tried to get me to play Dark Souls at a birthday party, and I was not having it. I was not into it. I didn't like RPGs. I didn't feel that style of combat. It was too hard. Not for me. Came back like a year later, like right after Dark Souls 2 would have gotten announced, and I picked up the game on my own and started playing it. And when I played it by myself, I fell in love. No game has ever felt the way Dark Souls feels in my hands. And the ways that I can experience that story, I guess. The the way that that ballet of combat plays out on the controller. Because I, I always like uh, likening Dark Souls combat to a dance. Because once you understand oh, yeah. the rhythm and the flow of how you swing the sword at a boss, the game becomes significantly easier. Once you know how to maneuver around a boss, it's just muscle memory. You just know. You understand the game at its core. And, and so then I got really into Dark Souls 2. And and then just to, to skip forward, Dark Souls 3. The way that they ended that series was so perfectly melancholic that I want to say that had to have been junior year of college, maybe sophomore year, something like that. To... To avoid like major spoilers about anything, basically the 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 final boss fight of that game uh, is the culmination of all the inspirations that the Dark Souls series has, specifically from Berserk, because hmm. the the final boss in Dark Souls is kind of just guts. <laughs> Like, it's a super buff dude with a giant sword and an automatic crossbow on his arm, and he fucking annihilates. <laughs> it, it, it is incredible to me that they were able to end a decades-long series, or a decade-long series, with the best boss fight in the series. In my opinion, the last fight is without question the best boss fight in Dark Souls. But then when you beat him, the game kind of just ends. Like, there's a culmination to the story, but it's a quiet one. There's no event. There's not even a cutscene. You cut him down, and you're left in a wasteland of ash at the end of the world. There's some time shenanigans. It's not necessarily an apocalypse scenario, but the game just leaves you in a quiet atmosphere that I couldn't help but just sit down and take in the essence that I had come to what would be the end of a journey that had spanned me the second half of my life. You don't get that kind of gravitas from storytelling that often, and when you do, you need to take it in. I, I don't know if there will ever be a series that will deliver that same kind of feeling to me. Hmm. It's it's funny because, like, I know that you're not the only person who's into the Souls games that, like, I hear that kind of stuff from. I've heard it from just, like, other people on the internet and stuff like that. And I'm just, like, the smooth brain over here, like, wait, so I have to, like, find the story? Oh. <laughs> um, cool. I, I, I bet it's really great, but... Ah, uh, I don't know. 
Luckily, much like Destiny, there is at least one high-profile Dark Souls lore YouTuber who breaks down all the stories for you. So if you're not into piecing it together yourself, there are resources to tell you the stories for you. Shout out to Vadi Vidya on YouTube. Cool dude. Good voice. And are you are you doing yours in order, or are you just uh, you? These are your f- five of your favorite games. Uh, I was just doing just a general throw it at the wall, but I think it's worked out at this point that I could pivot to a top five. Um, but I wouldn't call it an official top five because these would probably move around if I did it again. Gotcha. That's fair. So my four on my list is Persona Five. Um, which is kind of interesting because it's really the first JRPG I like, you know, played all of. I played some Final Fantasy games for a bit, but I was like 12 and didn't actually know what the hell I was doing. So I'd play them for like a couple hours and go, this is boring. And then just move on to something else. But there's something about a good JRPG where like, I know the friggin' story is drawn out sometimes way too long in my opinion, but <laughs> the kind of character development and character growth you can see throughout, especially persona five, I thought was really cool. Um, the, the combat's not bad. It's kind of like, uh, a light version of Pokemon is kind of almost how I look at it. I feel like Pokemon's combat was a little, was way more in depth. But me saying that, some people will probably be like, oh my god, what? You're a fucking child. And I'm like, okay, but I mean, you can craft your, I don't even, oh god, your personas uh, to get different abilities and different, like, damage roles or typings, um, which is really cool. Like, it's very in-depth, so I need to shut up because Pokemon's not that (laughs) in-depth. Um How quickly I overrule myself. Um, but I think it was just because I just enjoy that. This one's on there more. I just, I enjoyed the whole ride of that game. Like the, I, I think the first, Jesus, it's been so long that I played it that I don't remember exactly what the thingamajiggies are called. Um, but, uh, what are the palaces? Yeah. Is that what it, Yeah. Um, the first palace I'm not crazy about just because whenever you do like weird old guy sexualizing uh, high schoolers in anything, I'm <laughs> like, maybe not. I that's that's icky. Um, but it was just a really fun game to play. Cute anime girls, you know. I'm a sucker for that kind of shit. So you know, I I realized too late that a Haru best girl and I fucked that up. So. I was going to play it again, but then it was so close to when Royale would come out that I um, was like, okay, well, why would I play this game again? Because it's like 100 do- goddamn hours. More like 300. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, it's like 300 hours to completion, and there's like no way to speed that up. It is 300 hours. Because I felt like I was speed running it by the end, and it took well, forever. Like- the first dungeon itself is kind of a massive tutorial because they really hold your hand even through the boss fight. And that first dungeon can take like longer than a typical shooter campaign to finish. Yeah, it's like 20 hours. <laughs> like I couldn't believe it. By the time I got done, I I would say it was almost near 30 hours just yeah, to get through I, the tutorial. I think you're right. I think that's why I don't like 
the first one, that first palace that much is because you're railroaded the whole time. And once you're not, and you can do stuff at your leisure and you can determine who you go on and do activities with, who you go on dates with, who who you are going to be your focus to uh, improve your relationship with. with like, don't remember what the system they call that is as you get the stars because then you can like max them out and then their persona gets a different form, which I think is a pretty cool way to show progression through characters. But... I'm spending too much time on a game that I don't really have anything in depth on other than it was a fun, the combat's fun. Although going around in the bus in the the one place, by the end of the game, I was like, I just want to beat it. (laughs) So (laughs) when they're like, oh, you got to go driving around everywhere. I was like, meh, meh. But um, it's, Uh, I I need to play I wish the anime was better. What? I wish the anime was better. So oh my god, uh, I I could get the story without suffering through a glorified visual novel. Well, I mean that's all really that JRPGs are, anyways, active yeah. visual novels. But um, yeah, the ending is good. I want to play Royale, but again, that's going to be three hundred plus hours because they added an additional palace. So fuck me, but. I will play it at some point, especially now because it's cheap. You can get it for like 20 bucks now. I refused Damn, to pay. already? Yeah. Oh, it's been out for over a year. But <laughs> I, re- I refused to pay $60 for a game that was the exact same game with like 20 more hours. Like to me, that's that's ridiculous. But Yeah, they always yeah. do it though. Classic Atlas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's your, what's your next one? All right, so... Uh, Metal Gear 5 was kind of a light choice as far as uh, personal experience goes. It was just a really good game that I that I couldn't ignore for the generation. Uh, all the others after this point are pretty big emotional heavy hitters, so I apologize if I'm going to be a little long-winded. Um, but my number three is going to be PS4's God of War. Okay, well, uh, this is why I can also jump in. This is my number one. Oh shit! Okay, well, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to steal your thunder. Well, no, I can, it's fine. I'll jump in on certain, t- and I can just jump in where appropriate because I feel like again you will uh, be much more eloquently spoken about <laughs> it than I will. Look, the only thing I can be eloquently spoken on is my own experience as far as emotional weight goes. <laughs> uh, but at the base, you know, it starts with a perfect game because God of War in every aspect that I can think of, is a perfect game. I would agree. I would dare say it's a perfect sequel. But that's that's a little harder point to drive home because it's also not exactly a sequel, you know, whatever philosophy. Super good game. Voice acting, design, writing, music, gameplay, exploration, graphics. It's so good, it hits all the marks. I didn't even grow up with God of War. I have never played another God of War game. God of War 1, 2, and 3, not interested. Not my style of gameplay. I didn't think I would like it. I have no interest in playing those even now. Really? But that did not stop God of War, quote, 4, from being one of the greatest goddamn games I have ever had the pleasure of laying my eyes upon. Yeah, I have... I've never experienced... I, like... I... 
that's a game where if I could experience it again for the first time, it, that's what it would be. And a uh, little little teaser, we might have uh, an episode that's just about that. But yeah, and uh, it'll probably have some repeats from my list on here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it, 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 as far as the personal investment goes, because I got to have that in here, uh, God of War dropped senior year of college for me. And I I was not going to play God of War 4 uh, until like a week before it came out, maybe even a couple days, because I'd never played the franchise. I wasn't interested in the franchise. I didn't have any investment in it. Uh, but a friend who I worked with at the radio station said... You got to play this game. It's going to be so good. And I was like, all right, fine. I got some spare money. I'm not playing anything else right now. Uh, and I was going through kind of a rough patch. I wasn't playing a lot of video games. I wasn't feeling good a lot of the time. And I was shocked that when I was playing God of War, it felt like I was playing video games for the first time all over again. Everything about the game, like, felt like an amalgamation of stuff I had done before. Like, especially the combat compared to original God of War takes a lot of cues from Dark Souls-style combat, which Souls-like combat kind of changed how this form of of game fighting uh, was designed going forward. Everyone takes inspiration from Dark Souls or the Arkham games. And, And God of War felt like a combination of both of those things. But it still felt so fresh. It felt new. It was nothing I had ever played before. And on its own, through the act of playing God of War and taking it to 100% completion, getting all the collectibles, fighting all the Valkyries, it reignited a love of video games through the act of experiencing it alone. And I, I don't know that any game I've ever played has had that kind of power over me to completely reignite a love for a hobby that I felt like I was so desperately falling out of. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with you there because, I mean, I feel like most games, just the formula was getting stale in a way, and then you play that, and it's just so refreshing to just have everything, to do the the Todd Howard, everything just works. Like, (laughs) the, the, the way... The story is written is unbelievable and how they they tease stuff at just the right times. And like you go through the whole game and you don't really even interact with any of the high Norse gods. Like they have a game where in the first three you're constantly interacting and killing and fighting the the higher Greek gods. And then they go Norse Pantheon, and uh, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Little Blue Punchy Boy, who you're fighting the whole time. Starts with a B, I think. Oh, God, yeah, I don't remember either. Oh, uh, well. sounds really bad after talking such high praise. Yeah, but we haven't played the game for a hot minute. Um, But it's like he's the, the biggest, well, he's not the biggest named god, because there's one bigger that you interact with, but... You're only fighting one minor, somewhat minor god. And it's just like... Oh, is it Baldur? Yes, I think you're right, yeah. But it's just like how how you can craft such an amazing story in a already super rich Norse mythology 
and not even really touch any of the major Norse gods is kind of nuts. Yeah. And smart game design, you know, to... God, I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. You're good. Uh, it, it was it was one of the smartest choices of game design. You know, talking about the lower Norse gods. It, I feel like either they weren't invested in this kind of exploration in the original God of Wars, or the games themselves didn't lend, lend it to this kind of learning. But, you know, I think it's an okay assumption to make that most people are more familiar with the Greek pantheon than they might be of the Norse pantheon. Norse is, is on the up and up. People are getting more into Norse mythology. We've got a ton of Norse mythology-based content coming out with uh, the show The Vikings, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, God of War now. It, it, it the is becoming Marvel more Cinematic Universe. <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but, you know, I would say the average person doesn't know really a whole lot about Norse mythology. So it was so smart of them, not only to include Mimir as a character who is always with you, always on your belt, always able to talk to give you the relevant backstory and explain what's going on in the context of mythology, but then to also spotlight that kind of teaching in what could have been the most boring parts of the game, which is driving a canoe through a giant lake. Yeah. Because <laughs> like the, the game, I think it had fast travel, Maybe, but a lot of the time you had to move that boat to new places to explore. You got to move that boat. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't a whole lot going on on the water. There, There wasn't really any danger when you were moving. There wasn't any challenge to maneuvering the boat, but they still made those parts of the games really interesting and, uh, you know, they, they held your attention because they always had Mimir ready with a story from Norse mythology that if you were invested enough in the game, for me at least, was enough for me to not want those boring sections to end because uh, his voice actor was so good. Yeah. And the way he told the stories and Atreus's genuine interest in those stories reflected my own genuine interest. And I always wanted to hear more. If I accidentally cut Mimir off on a story, I would immediately get back in the boat and let him finish before I moved on. Well, and that was also just a great mechanic of you. You could be mid story, get off the boat or like he could be talking while you're walking around and like, you get into combat and he'll stop. You you almost say like, oh, shut up now. We're fighting. And he's like, okay. And then as soon as whatever you were doing stops, like the fighting stops, so you get back in the boat, he picks up exactly where he was and kind of gives you like a, a 10 word recap of like, so like what I was saying about blah, 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 and keeps going. It, it was such a cool thing that I feel like to an extent is underappreciated because isn't really done. I don't think in that many games, but also they don't use dead ta- downtime as a chance to just enrich the world you're in. In most games, you have to like, yeah, go it, through a lore book or something like that. It's the small details like that, that really drives those PlayStation exclusives over the top. Uh, and j- just as a small note, um, a, a, a kind of similar small detail from the Spider-Man PS4 game. Uh, did you ever get a chance to play that? Yeah, I never. I didn't beat it. Um, I'm probably about halfway through the game. I just kind of dropped off with it. Not that it's bad. It just I kind of stopped. I mean, that game's really good and yeah, is in an honorable mention for me, but didn't make my 
favorite five. But So have you noticed that the voice actor for Peter Parker has recorded almost all of his dialogue twice? I think you told me. Yeah, you told me about that. How like depending on if you're like in an action sequence, he's recorded that way or if he's just like just saying it normally, right? Yeah. So if you're in free roam mode and he's getting a call from somebody setting up a new mission or closing out the last one, something store related is happening. Uh, if you're swinging through the streets of New York, then his dialogue is more strenuous because he is doing a strenuous activity. But if he's just standing on a building, then he'll just talk like a normal person. And this is interchangeable in the middle of a conversation. Sentence to sentence, if you start fighting or if you're just standing somewhere, then it'll change the voice lines to fit whatever... Uh, the the situation to more accurately reflect what Peter is doing in the moment. That that's such an incredible tiny detail that I feel like is so easy to miss, but just goes a long way to making the game more immersive. And that's kind of a similar thing that was going on with Mimir and his storytelling. Yeah, I another thing that I think that needs to be just mentioned on this this one is, and I I can't remember where I heard this from, so this is not an original thought. <laughs> but some, <laughs> I heard someone talking about how like just appreciating how much they just revamped or redesigned the game of like what it was like God of the new the Norse God of War <clears throat> is so different from how the first three were, which were pretty much just hack and slash games like, mm-hmm. you know, just go around, kill everything is that that's that's all it was. There was some exploring, but it was more like go through this path to the boss and fight the boss and then do that over and over again. And then in God of God of War 4, I guess, is that what we're referring to it as? Because it's just called God of War. But Yeah, God of War 4, God of War PS4, God of War North, but, whatever you want. In God of War 4, like, there's all these rewarding side explore, exploration things you can do. Granted, we're I'm kind of talking out of my ass because I didn't play the first three. And maybe there were aspects of that in there. Who knows? But... Just the way, like we said earlier, everything feels rewarding. Like the Valkyrie fights in the end game are like, you don't really need to do those once the game's over because, you know, you don't really, it's, it's like, it's just extra stuff. But learning the mechanics of each of those boss fights is so rewarding, which this makes no sense as to what I said previously about the Souls games because the Souls games <laughs> just that, those fights but better and i'm like okay maybe i would like them shit but because the valkyrie fights get hard as fuck oh my god they do but there was something about i think the way kratos fights is much more up my alley which is why i liked those fights more than souls souls is too to me too slow in Mm -hmm. how you move and react i like the fast bloodborne then (laughs) i probably would really like that one but it's just like i love how fast-paced god of war's combat was mm-hmm. yeah and i totally get that and and even for having not played the first god of wars the 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 writing and the atmosphere driving in that game is so good that you know minor minor spoilers for the game if you haven't played it yet uh there's a moment towards the climax of the game where kratos goes back to his home and he digs up the floorboards and he pulls out the chaos blades from the first three games and even though i didn't play the originals i still felt how important that was 
I knew how crazy of a moment that was for that character, and I knew how much that would mean to somebody who had grown up with those blades to give to be given the chance to wield them again. I still felt all of those things despite not having the personal investment into it. And I think that alone is a is a tribute to how fantastic the writers on that game were. Yeah, it's always a great thing when you don't have to play something previously but can still appreciate and the impact of a moment is still felt the way it would be if you had experienced the whatever came before it. And it's yeah, it's I feel like we could just keep gushing about this game forever. I mean, that's why it's my number one. I just lo- there's <laughs> right. I I have it, of all the games that came out last generation, no no one of them like stuck with me. Like when I got done, I was like, I am really sad that I'm done with this game. Like I the the only other one that kind of comes close is my number two, uh, which I'll get into later. But yeah, oh god. I cannot wait for Ragnarok. <laughs> I and it, I it's can't incredible wait. restraint. It's incredible restraint that Ragnarok's not even going to be on the PS4, or at least you know if it is, it'll be on PS4 and PS5 because you know Sony cares about its IPs and they're not just cash grabs. They're giving them the time to build the game they want to make. So it's taken a few years to put out that sequel. Mm-hmm. So you know it's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be amazing. And I oh. Oh, I can't wait. And like, you know, granted, God of War came out kind of late in the PS4's timeline, but it, they, they still had a good couple of years. So like for a franchise to start with a number one and never see a number two until the next gen, that's pretty crazy. Which yeah, yeah. actually, I guess now that I say, it, you know, Spider-Man's the same way, Horizon's the same way. It's just the way Sony's building their new IPs. The, the timing isn't as important as putting out the good product. Yeah. Because none of those games were even ready for the launch of the PS5. Like, Spider-Man had Spider-Man Miles Morales, but that's not Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's I'm, I'm looking forward to sequels to a lot of those big Sony exclusives. I, it's, it's a great time to be a gamer. Yeah. So, unless you had something else to talk about for your number one, you can go ahead and jump into your number three. Nah, I think I'm good on that. So, I'll jump into my number three, and for me... It is Titanfall 2, a game that I think not nearly enough people have played. And I could almost, I kind of put Apex with it, but I don't because they're completely different. But uh, just, it's one of the best feeling shooters you could ever experience. The gunplay is so freaking good. And then when you add in the how the mech play works with it, I mean, one, we don't, it's the only good mech game. Like, (laughs) I feel like back in like the end of the Xbox early 360 series, we had a lot more mech kind of styled games. And I mean, I don't even know of a good one off the top of my head from way back. So just having a really great and fun mech game is, was very refreshing the player movement is so so smooth it's kind of incredible how easily you can just be jumping and ziplining around the maps in that game oh and then and that's not even like i that's just the multiplayer aspects of it the single player in that game is so underrated it's kind of crazy like it's not even that long of a story i think it's only like a six hour campaign and, yeah, it's it's only the length of any other typical shooter. Yeah, but it does so much more with and, the time, and it makes it just 
kicks most Call of Duty campaigns ass. Now, I feel like some of the um, the Black Ops campaigns, Call of Duty Black Ops campaigns, are about on the same level of quality. I wouldn't say they're any better because they usually don't have the emotional impacts that uh, Titanfall 2's campaign did. The fact that you can, like, feel bad for a robot, a giant robot mech, like, wild. <laughs> Didn't Man, think I gotta get you to happen. watch some movies. Oh, boy. Oh, no. I'm not watching Chabby, okay? <laughs> what? Why not? I, that I'll, wasn't even on the list, but why not? I'll, I actually am surprised I haven't watched that yet, but it's I've meant to. I just never... I'm like, I want to watch Chappie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think one of the other things... The other main reasons why I like Titanfall so much, and I kind of have hinted at this, or I said it a little too, is that that's what that's basically the engine that Apex is off of, which is why it's my favorite battle royale game, just because it's the same gunplay in a battle royale form. Now, granted, they aren't the mechs, but it's okay because they make do without it. And I just I want a third one now that everyone knows about respawn. And that they are legit so that we can get a Titanfall 3 and it'll make the sales numbers that it deserves to. Hey, the, the Titanfall 1 or Titanfall 2 campaign, when I was playing through it, it, it felt almost like I was reliving a lot of the same stuff that Portal 1 did. Because outside of the actual story of the campaign, something I really enjoyed about Titanfall was that almost every level felt unique in the fact that there was a kind of gimmick to the way the level played out. Whether or not you were in the battlefield fabrication facility, or if you were doing the time skips through the other facility, uh, stuff like that made every level feel really unique, but they also didn't linger on any of those gimmicks. They lasted for exactly one level before moving on to the next thing. And I feel like that kind of game design of only, you know, they... They had a concept, and they took it to a fullness for that level, but they could have taken it farther. That felt very reminiscent of Portal, where I hope eventually they can make a Titanfall 3, and it will hopefully have a longer campaign where they can explore these concepts more deeply. Because I, I don't think I have ever felt... Uh, this dissatisfied from a shooter campaign in a good way where the the campaign was so short that i just wanted more i wanted a 30 hour long titanfall campaign because it was so much fun to play between the movement and the gunplay and all the interesting things they were doing around those i didn't want to stop yeah and it, it didn't even really like move forward the world stuff that was happening much in that one because like there's a giant there's like i guess i i think it's a civil war there's two factions fighting one's like the corporate commando and then the other is uh rebels (laughs) basically yeah and and they don't really even address it that much you just know that it's out there and happening because that's kind of what the whole story in titanfall one was through the multiplayer things of like you're at a battle and you're either fighting on the rebel side or the government side and the fact that they can take that and then just go, eh, yeah, I mean, eh, whatever. We're doing that. We're telling this story. Oh, so good. Yeah. Which, I mean, that alone is an incredible feat that they went, they pivoted from a game that had no single player and was ostracized for being multiplayer only at a time where that kind of thing wasn't acceptable and then making 
probably the best first-person shooter campaign ever. And then no you one know, played it. I guess it. That, that's up to debate. And then, yeah, and then it, it still didn't really get its just due. I mean, it certainly got more than Titanfall 1. It was certainly more recognized. I think people know that Titanfall 2 is really good, but it still got overshadowed by the more popular stuff. Yeah. That's all I got on that, so you're up you're up for your number two so my number two is going to be my current recommendation darling and that is the outer wilds okay okay the outer wilds was such a sleeper hit for me i had no idea what i was getting into for this game uh and and to kind of drive home some of the concepts I'm going to talk about here, I do want to explain the main caveat of the game. And end up at the front here, I want to say that everyone should play Outer Wilds. Please, please, everyone play Outer Wilds. It's such a good game. Everyone needs to experience this game. It's the kind of game that is so much better the more blind you go into the game. That being said, the main caveat, the thing that drives the gameplay, is explained to you... I would say 30 minutes into the game when you get through the tutorial and then see the thing happen the first time. So the way Outer Wilds works is you are in, uh, you're on a planet and you are part of a space exploration team that your specific job is to go to other planets in this solar system in order to uncover uh, the texts and history of an ancient now extinct civilization. Because you are the first astronaut from this species that has a particular translation tool that allows you to read the writings of this species. Uh, So it's really cool that, like, the solar system itself is the open world in this case. The planets themselves are decently sized, but they're not super huge on their own. Uh, But you fly through the solar system in real time. You are... I guess real time is a weird way to put it, but you are flying this ship in first person and you go from one planet to the next. You take off from a planet, you land on this other planet, you have to find them in the solar system, you can set your autopilot, you gotta fly around the sun. Uh, it, it, that, that alone is a really cool aspect. But then, every 22 minutes, the sun explodes and you die. Oh, that's, it's that, okay, okay. I thought that's because like I have played I didn't get off the original planet so I put it for like 10 (laughs) minutes and I got to the point where it was like go back to the spaceship and go and I thought that it was that kind of a game where it's like you just keep doing the same shit over and over again but you do you learn new stuff so you can do other things I Mm -hmm. so okay that makes sense I thought that's what it was but then doing the tutorial I was like is that this game I don't know yeah so it's kind of like a roguelike where you will always start from zero, but with something. But there's no upgrading your character. There's no combat. You don't get a better spaceship. Nothing fundamentally changes. The only thing that's different is the knowledge you gain about the world around you. Because at its core, it is a puzzle game. And you solve other puzzles by building off of the knowledge you retain. Because when the sun explodes... Your consciousness, more or less, is reset to 22 minutes before that happens. 
because of ancient alien technology. So the game is you going to each of these planets, putting get, putting together the pieces of what this ancient civilization was trying to figure out about things around the nature of the universe and unknown cosmic entities happening in this universe to effectively save your species, save yourself, and protect the legacy of these people that came before you. Phenomenal game in that regard alone. What is truly special and what really resonated with me about The Outer Wilds is once you get to essentially the climax of the game and you start putting things together on your own and you see the things that you have to do and the risks that you as a character have to take to maintain living... I guess the things the game says about mortality, philosophy, your place in the universe and the nature of living is so profound that in the final moments I was weeping. Wow. Openly crying over these credits. The the things that happen in this game are so profound that very few games have touched me so deeply. And I, I don't know that there will ever be a game that can do the same thing for me again. It was an entirely different kind of emotional depth than Dark Souls was able to find for me. Wow. And 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 if I if I had any game to ever experience for the first time, it would probably be this one. And and you know, admittedly, it's a puzzle game. Some things are hard, some things are harder to put together. I did look up a couple of things, and God, do I regret. I will regret forever looking up the things I did, because I know it would have been so much more satisfying if I could have put th- these things together on my own. And I, 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 ju- I want everyone to play this game so bad, because it means so much to me now. Well, I think I know what I need to do next weekend, then, over the holiday. Cause on, wait, it's still on game Xbox Game Pass, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Specifically, to my knowledge, it is still on console Game Pass. Yeah, it's not on PC Game Pass. I need to actually, you know, play it. I, I, <laughs> not <laughs> getting past the tutorial doesn't mean I played it. So, I know you've, I, cause like I know you've praised as you have done just now, praise this game all the time and tell me to play it all the time, and I need to actually do it. I'm. One of the things with this is looking at all the games that came out and being like, damn, I didn't play a lot of these. (laughs) But there's just so many good ones that I don't really know how. I mean, unless it's your job to write and talk about every new game that comes out for a filthy casual like me, there's no way you could play them all because there was just so many good ones. And some of them just take up so much time. That's unfortunately something I've had to come to terms with recently, being a young adult working a full-time job, is like sometimes you just got to pick your battles. Yeah. You got to find what you know you're going to like, and that's going to mean consciously passing up things that you know are good, that you know you'll like, because you think you'll like this other thing better. And for like, me- I'm only, I'm only just now getting to Red Dead 2. Yeah. I know I will love Red Dead 2, and I'm trying to squeeze it into the 20-day time span before Cyberpunk comes out, of all things. I don't know if I can do it, but I really want to play Red Dead 2, and I know I'm so late to the party. Yeah. Well, speaking of speaking of Cyberpunk, my number two is The Witcher 3. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, the, ga- the last game that CD Projekt Red made... Uh, 
it is god i don't even know i don't even know where to start with this one because this one could have been my number one i just felt like the the whole experience of god of war was better than the whole experience of the witcher 3 but at moments i like witcher 3 more mostly because it is much more that traditional open world rpg game which is much more my style than because like what is it what is there a is there a genre that goes to what good the god of war games were that are kind of like zelda e not not zelda e but like the hack and slash but you get new equipment and upgrade like metroid a metroid e game maybe uh yeah i think you're looking for combinations of dungeon crawler uh combat looter or metroidvania yeah because it's kind of like it it be it went a lot more to what the dark siders dark siders yeah Darksiders games were where it was like the combat of God of War, but the dungeon crawling and adventuring of Zelda games, which is what Darksiders is. And then God of War Four was much more of like what it, it incorporated more of the Zelda e exploration and upgrading yourself things. So like that aspect, I I just like that aspect and how it was done in God of War to the it was so polished that I think it is what made me put it at one over Witcher 3, but I'm talking about The Witcher 3, so back on topic. Uh, it's just, the, the story that's told over it is very interesting. I I know that you always have choice in, like, how stuff plays, but to just, like, some of the choices you make in that game, like, you each major arc has a big decision you have to make and it's mostly this or that but there's sometimes nuances to each one we're just picking one of the two options doesn't mean you're going to get the same outcome and so i mean i've i've played through it i played through it once in like almost 100 percent of it and that took like 120 hours i have like 150 hours i think in it which i'll get to why it's so long on that because I'm an idiot. Uh, but just the the way combat was approached in that, the way that how each monster type, you you can get information on how to, what, what spells to use, what uh, type of oils to put on your weapons to do the most damage or to even do damage. It was really cool how intricate it was. I, I, I feel like... I would really like Monster Hunter because it's kind of like what The Witcher did, but times 10 on how you approach fighting different monsters. But then you also have just the overarching story. Um, So like when I played Witcher 3, I hadn't played the first two yet. And it was still just, it's kind of like what God of War does. You appreciate everything in it, even if you don't know some of these more below the, like finer references to the previous games you can still be like wow this is really good and the the reason i can skip to why it took me so long to do i didn't know that one there were different endings playing through it because there's it's not really hinted at when you get to the last arc that there are different outcomes um and it's funny because when i the first time i ever completed the game i did I got the bad ending and Damn. and I was like wow that's 
that's some dark shit. That's pretty fucked up. I wow, holy hell, Jesus. That's how the game ends. And then I started looking up and went, wait, there's different endings? Because I had okay. no I had no idea what decisions that I had made that had led to getting the ending that I did. It's so subtle if you don't know to look for it. And so I went and looked at what happened is, and it's the way that Geralt interacts with Ciri in certain instances once they meet up. Spoiler for a game that came out like seven years ago. I don't think it was that long. Eh? was like six years ago five or six years ago but um so then i went back and replayed it because i was like i'm not (laughs) i'm not gonna only experience the bad ending i want the good ending and just when you do the good ending how much more like oh okay yeah this makes sense but there's just choices where Geralt would interact with siri and depending on what you say you choose to say to her is what ends up determining what ending you get which is it's so subtle like you wouldn't know not going and i i really appreciated it after i figured it out and then had experienced different endings and also just how fucked up the bad end like the bad ending sucks you're just like oh my god this <laughs> is huh and because usually like the bad endings like oh you took over the world you're an asshole and this one's like no no actually no this sucks this sucks for Gerald. holy <laughs> crap oh my god and then the good ending's like oh yes oh this is what i wanted and I think there's a middle ending, but I didn't actually like get that one, but I've seen what it is. But all, all that, the story, the combat, fucking Gwent. Oh my God. I played <laughs> so much Gwent in that. It's the best in-game minigame of any any like any game. I don't know what game has a better in-game minigame than Gwent. And I just, oh, it's... It's the reason why I'm so excited for Cyberpunk because CD Projekt Red is so goddamn good at what they do and the Cyberpunk as a environment for it. Oh. Oh. I hope it I I doubt it's bad, but I hope if it's as good as Witcher 3, oh my god. That game's going to be so good. Oh. Yeah, my my only fear for Cyberpunk is how they're going to program shooting a gun. True. But uh but yeah, I unfortunately have faith. the Witcher the Witcher is one of those games that, you know, like I just said, I'm sure if I could sit down and really play it, I would really, really like The Witcher. But I know that there's so much there and so much I would want to do without even thinking about wasting time on Gwent that it's just it's a matter of time management. I I can't sit down and play 200 hours of The Witcher when I got so much else I need to play. I will also say you can get that game done in like... I, I, I know this is no, still no small feat, but like 80 hours and do most of the side. So I did ev- like almost every single side quest when I did it. So that's what led to it being me playing it so long. And then mm. also redoing the ending like three times because I kept fucking it up. And the whole ending <laughs> is like the whole like it's the sequence where it goes after this part, you can't save. And that sequence is like five hours. <laughs> oh, my God. So I did that like three times because I kept fucking it up. <laughs> but it was it was worth it to get the good ending, which I feel stupid because I could have just looked it up. But I'm like, no, I have to accomplish this. I have to actually yeah. like. I get that. It. But man, that that's all I got on The Witcher Three. Man, it's it's whew, one of my. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised it's not my number one, but God of War is just so fucking good. <laughs> Hopefully, I will get to it at some point. I I'm hoping. 
Because I, I think I've mentioned this before, and I, I talk about it a lot. I have a hard time getting into RPGs in the first place. Yeah. Getting me really hooked into something is is hard for me to get through a mental hurdle of. I'm hoping that the recency of the release of Cyberpunk will allow me to get over that hurdle, and also how much I enjoy Cyberpunk as a setting and a genre that I can hopefully get in there and do everything I want to do. I wish I had vacation days so I could just take a few days off to really get engrossed. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'll be phenomenal. I wish I had more to say about The Witcher, but maybe one day. So that's my number um, one. What's yours, baby? Or your last yeah. one, if it's not your number one. Again, I do apologize for stealing your thunder on God of War early. Yeah, it's fine. I knew that was going to uh, happen with at least one of them, and that was the one I knew you would have on your list, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my number one, and again, you could probably guess at this point, it's another kind of big emotional heavy hitter for me. Uh, and this is a small indie darling that started out PC only, made inside of a cheap game maker program by exactly one man who did almost all the sprites, all the writing, all the sound design, including all of the music. And is only now in the last few years getting its due on ports to consoles, and he is slowly working on a sequel, and that game is Undertale. Oh, it's not Borderlands? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Undertale, much like Outer Wilds, I, I could not believe how much I ended up enjoying Undertale. And part of that is because it was, it, it blew up on the internet. But but it blew up in particular circles that it came off as kind of cringy. And I totally get that. Uh, because it, it blew up on Tumblr. It blew up on YouTube. Uh, Fighting Sands was the new hotness trend as far as YouTube gameplay videos go. Uh, and, and it's all kind of due because uh, Toby Fox, the guy who made Undertale... Um, like creatively he started out doing music for homestuck so he was very much bred in that kind of community and he grew in that atmosphere and a lot of the aspects of design for undertale are kind of born of that proclivity towards storytelling and character design and everything um and and undertale it it's number one for me in an emotional aspect because while the outer wilds said a lot about life and a lot of things that I can apply to just the way that I live and the, the essence of living, that's, that sounds fucking weird, but you know, um, undertale actually said a lot about games at its core. Undertale had a lot of meta things to say about the philosophy of game design because you know, without spoiling too much, the game is very self-aware about the fact that it is a video game. And it uses that to undermine your expectations and do things that you don't ever expect a game to do. But then, aside from playing it for comedic effect or making you rethink the way you play the game, it's a very unique, emotionally charged experience. Because uh, I don't think it's spoilers to say that uh, a lot of the, the game is based around the idea of you can play as a pacifist or you can kill some things or you can kill everything. And those three routes can drastically change the way the game plays out. Um, But once it kind of pulls the curtain back 
and and tells you that it knows it's a game. And therefore, in a sense, inherently, these choices shouldn't have real consequence. It's then kind of up to you and the experience you build with the game and whether or not that resonates with you. If you're like me, you don't feel any less bad for the sins you commit over the course of playing a video game. If you're somebody else, then you might not care and it's just a fun, challenging game. And when it's done, it's done. For me, playing through specifically the genocide route was an exercise in masochism (laughs) that I did not realize I was putting myself through until the game was done. Hmm. Because the end of the masochist run is so fucking bleak and just dark and empty that I felt that emptiness in my soul. Hmm. Aside from, again, the game knows that it's pixels and graphics and it only exists within its own world, but it's still so real that you almost want to believe that it's its own living world despite these facts. And you feel genuinely bad for the things you have done and you wish that there was a way to go back and fix the sins you have committed because they really are sins. (laughs) It's an awful experience. The final boss of the genocide route took me 12 hours of a Saturday to beat through sheer repetition and grind. Really the culmination of the masochist in me. Harder than any Dark Souls boss I have ever fought, and it's so simple because it's arrow keys. There's no jumping, there's no swinging a sword, you're moving a heart through a bullet hell. And it, it's so hard, <laughs> but it has to be because the game needs you to want to hurt it in order for it to drive its emotional stake home. And I'm talking in generalities because God, do I not want to spoil the experience of that game? <laughs> Even the, the, the neutral and the pacifist route, the, the choices you make in regards to what order you go through these things. It's very much about building your own story because the game is telling a story, but it can be disjointed and broken in ways that still make a fulfilling narrative because it's all about how it reflects on you. And it's about your relationship with the game and these characters that builds what that story actually means. So I think the route I took is probably the more generic one, the one that most people are going to do, and that's play through normal, then go back and do pacifist, and then do genocide. And that's certainly a way to play the game. But if you do genocide first, or if you stumble your way into a darker version of the main storyline, the things that you feel that the game is going to reflect back at you is going to make for an inherently different Undertale experience than what I experienced. And I think that's so important that that's one of the things it says about game design is that the game itself can tell a story, but what really makes a game amazing is the story that you build as a player with what it's telling you, mm-hmm. making for every game you play a unique experience that you can't ever recreate. You can recommend all the games you want to somebody, but you can never guarantee it's going to hit the same way it hit you. 
Yeah. Because the game itself is a culmination of all of its design choices that is only going to resonate with specific parts of you to make one whole that nobody else will ever be able to fully understand. And I know that's a lot to pack into a 20-hour indie game, but I swear to God it's all there. <laughs> I I knew I I kind of had a feeling that you were waiting for the for this moment, Chris, to finally get it off your chest of just all your feels on on that one cuz I I know I've I need to play it and I know I think Andre's the only other one in our group of friends who's played it. Yeah, and I, and when he finally did, he played through seven times. Yeah, but he did it like back to back to back to back. Like he that's he just did that for like a week and yeah. did all of them. And I remember him talking in Discord and I'm just like, "Oh, he is he is all up in the Kool-Aid right now." <laughs> I think I think it's interesting that the if you're looking at if we're just comparing lists that yours are much more the indie darlings and I feel like mine are much more AAA bigger games but i think that fits yeah and i think well. uh that uh this episode still isn't out right now and hopefully i will have it out soon but i think that that also kind of uh it was similar when we did our top three anime lists where and i think going forward we're gonna see this a lot where anytime we do a list mine is always going to focus very much on feeling and emotion and how much something hurt me inside <laughs> and yours is just going to be really good shit yeah, or like I have some like with uh, a place further than the universe, like that hit me on an emotional level. I just can't <laughs> do a good job of explaining the feelings that I felt. Also, it was so long ago, I just don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> right. But so that there's our there's our lists of our five favorite games of the last console generation and again as to preface we're kind of just doing it by xbox and playstation i'm surprised you didn't have breath of the wild on yours you know i was gonna have mario odyssey until oh. i remembered dark souls 3 okay okay and then there's there just wasn't room i know i know we also wanted to just kind of like shout out to some other just there's so many good games and like the 10 that we said or the nine that we said don't even come close to like encompassing all of them that came out like i mean it, we didn't talk about the ones that basically defined the last generation which came late in it but all people are going to think of in the last generation of consoles was how battle royales exploded and fortnite controlled all for most of it and now it has some decent competitors in apex and warzone but like warzone just came on the scene it's been out for a year i mean apex has been out for two Fortnite 3? <laughs> like, it, these games haven't been out that long into that last console generation, but they I feel like that's the only thing people look back on. Like, I looked back at Titanfall 2 and went, oh my god, that game seems like it came out forever ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the other games I have on here, if we're just going to go and jump into honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to shout out Cuphead. Yes. Uh, one of the only Xbox exclusives they had this generation, <laughs> at least one that was worth a damn. Yeah. Uh, and single-handedly revitalized the uh, the Dark Souls of blank genre of conversation. Oh, my so God. So thanks for that. 
but introduced uh, really, really hard, genuinely difficult video games to a whole new group of people in a unique style that, God, you got to give them props for the work they put into hand drawing all that rubber hose frame art. Yeah. Um, Ghost of Tsushima, really recent title on PlayStation. Spider-Man, Bloodborne. Uh, as far as the Switch goes, Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, those games alone are worth buying a Switch for. I'd also throw in uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it, but I know I, I, I'm scared <clears throat> to because that's one where it's like I'm I'm in all three paths. And then there was, I think there's a fourth one that you can do too. And I'm like, I'd be in for all that. And I don't have the time for that. <laughs> yeah. Near also, Automata. Also on, on Switch, we can't, we have to mention uh, Animal Crossing because of when that hit and the cultural phenomenon oh, yeah. that Animal Crossing New Horizons was with when it came out this past Almost year. Pokemon Go levels. Yeah. Just I because mean, it hit right I, at the start of the pandemic. Me and my sister bought my mom a Switch just so that she could play it because she was at home and we're like, you'll enjoy this. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Nier Automata is uh, a game that I wish I could finish. Uh, unfortunately, it was one of those games that fell into the trap of starting, getting a third of the way through and then stopping. I want to get back to it eventually because I feel like it's going to have as much of an impact on me as some of these other games because of things it says about uh, AI and humanity. Uh, I know it's an amazing game. Red Dead 2, I'm working on. Last of Us 2. Yep. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to Half-Life Alex. Oh, uh, yeah. Single-handedly carrying virtual reality on its back right now. <laughs> Uh, um, and then I've got uh, some other indies on here, but okay. if you want to go ahead, uh, I, I, I didn't play it much, but Monster Hunter World was played a fucking huge impact. If you're into those kinds of games, uh, I am in the middle of it currently. But Uncharted Four, um, which I think you have you played any of the Uncharted games? I have played Uncharted One. Okay, I, let me tell you, as somebody who played the first three, when four came out, like they had their tr- the redu- redux thing for it, man, those first two feel fucking old. <laughs> like you're like, oh shit, yeah, shooters shooters have come a long way. Like they are bad, but you're like, oh god, this is old. Uh, and then had I kind of think the first one's bad. Yeah, the first one's not that good. Two's really good. Two's, I really enjoyed two, even though I was like, yeah, if this was polished to the standards of today, this would still be an amazing game. But it's it's pretty uh, dated. Um, Stardew Valley and how it's, it was for a, a while, I feel like this console generation's Minecraft, like everyone and their mom was playing that game and bought that shit on so many devices. I've never played it because I'm not a, those, those aren't really my games. Uh, but I mean, I know a lot of people who've just sunk so many hours into that. Um, oh, I thought I had like one other one, but I can't think of it. So if you have some, uh, Overwatch and how that kind of tried to reshape the, the competitor, the esports scene there a little bit, because I don't think any other i don't think like the league scene has it does but 
the Overwatch League seems to have gotten a lot more attention than what like the League of Legends competitive scene had gotten in mainstream media. So I think that did a lot for competitive esports. And same with Rocket League, because I feel like I don't watch Rocket League or play Rocket League, but I feel like a lot of people watch it, and that's kind of interesting to me, because just of what that game is. Yeah, and uh, CSGO kind of slips under the radar. It kind of exists in its own world, Um, but Overwatch being a first-person shooter in the mainstream kind of on its own made it okay for a game to come out and be multiplayer only. Yeah. Because uh, we, we said earlier that Titanfall 1 got shit on constantly for not having a single player of any kind. And then just a few years later, Overwatch comes out of the scene, and it's such a good game that uh, I I want to say from that point forward, people were more readily accepting of a game coming out and being multiplayer only. It certainly helps that in its own way, it's kind of a MOBA, and uh, outside of something like League of Legends, built the first-person shooter hero genre, which paved the way for more stuff like Valorant or Apex Legends. I'm gonna, I'm 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 gonna. You got to give some credit to Siege because I think Siege came out before Overwatch, and that was more of a hero shooter first, I'd say, than what over than Overwatch, just because you had different operators that had different abilities essentially like what overwatch is i think siege came out first if i'm if not i'm sorry oops but <laughs> yeah i'm gonna check that out i'm curious i thought I don't siege know. came out because and that was another one i wanted to give a shout out to i have not played a single game of siege but i know the siege competitive scene is huge and i mean those tom clancy games competitive scenes have always been like they have their dedicated following um but I'm trash at those games because it's much more <laughs> of uh, CSGO light where it's one round. You're trying to defuse a bomb, but also just kill everybody. And those twitchy shooters, oh, my, I'm not 14 anymore. So I'm an old man in gaming. So oh, I'm trash at them. But they're they're good. I've just watched, I can appreciate watching people play them and being like, damn, your technical skill on this is amazing. Uh, so Google's given me mixed information. Um, according to the the Google right here, Siege's initial release date was April 7th, 2015. But then if I go to Wikipedia, it says that it wasn't released on PC, PS4, or Xbox One until December 2015. So I don't know what constitutes its initial release. Uh, and unfortunately for this conversation, that puts it around Overwatch oh, because they, that came out October 2015. They came out. Oh, I don't think I knew they came out the same year. Interesting. Yeah. So Interesting. depending on your source, Siege might have come out sooner than Overwatch. But like I said, I don't know. I don't know what it means by initial release. Huh. Interesting. Unless it was like an early access thing. Have we shouted out MOBAs and how they're dead now? And I love it. Well, they're not <laughs> no, dead. because I never they, played MOBAs to begin with. Well, because like, I mean, they're they're still going, but everyone's that. That's the one thing I can thank battle royales for is it killed people trying to make MOBAs. <laughs> and <laughs> I was trying to make a battle royale. I am though. okay with that because we didn't need more MOBAs. There were plenty. <laughs> uh, so then the the last four I have here because I I love my indie games. Uh, 
Celeste and Hollow Knight, both very similar games. Really hard platformers with a lot of heart and a good story to tell. Uh, Celeste telling a more grounded story about depression. And Hollow Knight just being that kind of Souls-like, hopeless, Lovecraftian shit. Uh, Return of the Oprah Din is a really, really, really good puzzle game. Look it up and play it for yourself. I don't have anything else to say about that, but one of the best indie games that's come out in recent years. Uh, and then the other one that's... Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but holds a very special place in my heart is Doki Doki Literature Club. Fuck yeah. Very small title. You're never going to see it anywhere else other than a free download on PC. <laughs> because, again, it's free. You can just go to their website and download it because it's a weird little experiment. It's never going to be released on a console because it is just a visual novel. But, uh, boy, that game had no right hitting me as deep as it did. Shit's crazy. And, uh, <laughs> can't wait for that guy to put out more stuff. Uh, Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think there's, there's, I was some, I know I'm missing and that's what I, I, you know, there's some, some games that just like went under the radar or just kind of fell out of like they, they were there, they did their thing and then they're gone. And I just saw one, oh, one of, um, Civ 6. I mean, there's Hmm. still no one who does those kinds of games. I don't think is good. I, I don't know. I don't play many of those, but I play Civ and, we got one of those. Did Civ Five? When did Civ? I don't think Civ Five. I don't think they had two of them in the same console generation. Because Civ Five, we had, we played in high school. So, like Civ Six, uh, for that sim game, like you know, you can just spend countless hours in that. I can't think of other stuff off the top of my head, which means even if I played it, enjoyed it, we uh, we technically got a Mass Effect game, but I can't shout that out because that game was just <laughs> I mean, Andromeda wasn't awful, but it was okay. Inquisition was pretty good. I was trying to think of like some of the big titles and which one, like which of those did we, did we get a new game or did we not? Because we got Fallout 4, which I didn't think was that great. Um... And then 76 was like, yeah, that makes sense why I didn't think 4 was that great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we got a map. We we had a Halo game. That's all I'm going to say. Technically, too, if you count Halo Wars 2. Um, yeah. What are some other... And we beams? saw the, the revitalization of the Halo franchise a bit with the Master Chief Collection. And they finally Especially fixed it. You can play it now. Coming to PC. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, the the drastic direction change they're taking for Halo Six for the next gen. We'll see if that pans out. Yep. Um. I think we. Oh, we, we did. We haven't shouted out like Horizon. Great game. I don't think either of us have played it. <laughs> but, I played it. Oh, you did. Yeah. Um. Try, any other? It was big... fun. Not super my thing. See, I know it's it's my thing. I don't know why I haven't played it, but I think it's because <laughs> I know it's a longer game and time. I mean, it's like a Ubisoft game where even though it's an open world, it kind of holds your hand and anything you want to do in the open world, it's pretty forgiving about sending you to that thing. Okay. I know. I, we could. We got a couple Assassin's Creed games. We got Origin, the Greek one, which Odyssey. Yeah. Odyssey. And then now, well, this one's more, I would say, Valhalla, I would say, is this current new gen of console release game. Um, my God, those... Assassin's Creed games have so much freaking content in them now. It's insane. When they work. What? When they work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. Reference. Yes. Okay. I got it. I'm putting them when they're when they're put together and you can play them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's been a. It was a. A. Wild generation of games. We finally got our first. 3D console Pokemon game. If you want to say that, I mean, sure. Technically, like actual Pokemon game that wasn't like you know Colosseum or Gale of Darkness, which where the remakes for that Nintendo shut up and take my money. But that's yeah, Nintendo about all only I got. cares about remastering Zelda games, unfortunately. Bastards. All right, well, yeah, we're going on an hour and a half here now, so oh, I boy. think that is as good a place as any to stop us. Yeah. When do you think? Uh, well, oh, okay. Well, we mentioned we're going to stop, which means I have to throw in something at the end, as okay. I do. Uh, when do you think you will get one of the next gen consoles? And I say which one, one of, but I know it'll be a PS5 because there's really no reason for us to get an Xbox since we mostly game on PC now. Yeah. Um. Boy, I don't really know. I hope sooner than later. Um. It's more a matter of money. Because if I can get the money, I'll get a PS5 as soon as I can. Because, honestly, Demon Souls is enough of a reason for me to want to invest in the console. And I know there will be good shit later. Um, so, hopefully around the spring, probably. Maybe the spring. Depends on how money works out with uh, maybe moving into a new place. And how much money I need to hold back. Yeah. But, hey, I got, some, I got some PC parts in the closet that maybe I could sell off for some spare cash. Yeah. That always works. Yeah, I I'd say I'd probably shoot for February, March, around that time. I'd like to get one. Okay, I know my for me it's whenever God of War comes out. So I don't give a shit until that happens. Fair. Because <laughs> I I mean I didn't buy a PlayStation Four until shit around when God of War. Actually, I think I bought one to play God of War. <laughs> so. Well, at least However you'll have one way was. earlier in the cycle this time. Maybe. I don't know. I always like waiting for the the improved version to come out. Because, like, I have a PS4 Pro. I don't have right. a regular PS4. But... Yeah, and, I, and I'm at the point now where I don't want to trade in my old console to get the new console. I kind of want to hold on to the old console still. Yeah. I'm thinking Just as of a doing... display piece. Oh, yeah. You could always do what Alana has said of donating it to, like, a a hospital or a so I can't remember the other place you said but donating them because they usually don't have stuff for like their children's wings I've been thinking about doing that at least for my Xbox one just because there's no point in me keeping it if I get another Xbox (laughs) yeah and I, I mostly use mine as an entertainment center anyway for running apps Yep, and that would be the only reason I'd get an Xbox Series X is to just shove it in the living room and run my <laughs> USB off of it so I can watch anime. Get your tower, your fridge. Yep. And, you know, okay. if they ever beef up console Game Pass compared to PC Game Pass, then maybe I could think about shelling out 300 for an Xbox yes. when it gets cheaper. Yep. Well, there's my ending tangent, so... <laughs> All right, so we're going to end it now. Uh, thanks for sitting through our ramblings, and hopefully uh, my emotional spiels didn't get too repetitive. Nah, you're uh, good. Because you it's going to be more of that in the future. Instead of just game, <laughs> game good, I like. <laughs> uh, man, sometimes that's all it takes, though. Yeah.
All right, here's another fucking hopefully eight years. Hopefully we survive Thanksgiving and don't get COVID. Uh, stay safe out there because it's crazy. Yeah, wear a mask. Don't touch your face. Yep. See you next right. week. Good night. Wait, I don't think I can say that. Good night. <laughs> All right, bye-bye.